Welcome to the Dig In Travel Podcast, where travel and other digital professionals level up their marketing skills by listening to the top industry experts. And now here's your host, Istok Franco, founder of DigInTravel.com, your number one resource for travel, digital, e-commerce, and marketing. Hi, this is Istok, and you're listening to episode 13 of the Dig In Travel Podcast. I'm recording the intro for this episode from my sea house in Croatia and listening to the latest news on the television. There is another spike of COVID-19 cases in our region, so my Slovenian government decided to change the border procedures with Croatia. The border is not closed, but is also not completely open as it was. A few weeks ago, everything was positive here, with literally zero cases of COVID-19. Now there is a talk about the second wave. Personally, I'm not complaining. There is a worse situation than being stuck and working remotely from your summer house at the beach. But most people aren't so lucky. I'm talking daily to local people who work in tourism and hospitality, and this is a very difficult time for them, as the situation is changing every day. COVID-19 has turned most of the things we do in the travel and airline industry upside down. Most of the things, most of the processes you've been doing for the past 10 or even 20 years are all of a sudden not relevant anymore. One of the areas where this is definitely true is how you do analytics and analyzing demand. Past cycle of seasonal, twice a year planning is gone and replaced by almost weekly planning. As my friend and travel analyst Henry Hertewelt reported recently, United Airlines normally finalizes schedules 120 days in advance. Now, due to COVID-19 uncertainties, they do it in 30 days. Think about it, that's four times faster. Today's episode is all about how to be more agile at processing data and using external data to identify demand trends. Here at Digging Travel, we partnered with Skyscanner to do an agile and data analytics pilot project to show you how you can do that. In less than two weeks, we set up a server, processed billions of Skyscanner search demand data, and did visualizations and trend analysis to support this new fast-paced planning. So I have two things for you this week. First is this podcast where we talked with commercial director at Skyscanner, Gavin Harris. Gavin is a travel industry veteran, and we talked about latest demand trends, how Skyscanner adapted to this crisis, how they analyze demand globally, how they help airlines with data. We also talked about their direct booking functionality and plans and NDC, and I know this is something that's intriguing for most of you. The second thing I have for you in addition to this podcast episode is the article and case study where you can see most of the things we talked about in terms of trends and agile data processing in action. You can see real examples from our pilot project we did with Skyscanner. And in the article, you'll find examples of correlations between various COVID-19 related events, like the one in Croatia I was talking to you about, and the demand for flights and for air travel. So you can see how events impact the demand, and you can also see how fast this happens. You can find the link to the article and case study in the show notes. And if you're an airline and would like to know more about how to do this agile demand analysis, please reach out to me. 
I know that for a lot of you it's difficult to get resources for pilots and advanced analytics projects like this one, so I would be really glad to tell you more and even show you some of the live demo examples of how you can do this fast without a major investment. Now, please enjoy the show and our talk with Gavin. Hi Gavin and welcome to the Digging Trail podcast. Hi Estok, how are you? And doing great. The, the summer officially started, so looking forward to take uh, advantage of it, at least what we can do locally with some travel limitations. How about you? Yeah, that's a rare thing indeed. We've actually got some decent weather in Scotland just now, which is, uh, which is very rare. So we're certainly going to take advantage of, of that for the rest of this week and hopefully into the weekend. So looking forward to it. That's great to hear. Tell me before we start, because today we will talk a lot about data and trends and uh, what's happening with the travel. A lot of the industry, especially airline industry, but a lot of uh, other parts of the travel industry were are heavily impacted by the COVID-19. How are you guys at Skyscanner coping, uh, coping with it? How are you adapting to the situation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're certainly not immune to it. As talk, it's it's been a challenging time for Skyscanner as as well as our partners and and travellers across the board. Um, to be honest, we we were an organ a global organisation that regularly had like one hundred million users, and the within a few weeks that that traffic to the site and to the apps was absolutely on the floor. Um, so we've we've been struggling uh, since then, since COVID really hit, and we we watched that impact really start in Asia and then come across EMEA, US, etc. Uh, so yeah, so normal business um, in terms of the, the the travel search engine, the all the metrics hit the floor and had been on the floor for for months uh, since that happened as well. Um, I, I think. As a as a company, Skyscanner, we we reacted quickly, and and the early focus was really around how do we support our travellers, and how do we support our partners. In terms of travellers, a lot of this was about new information. Uh, how could we provide travellers with information? Um, we we increased the size of our user satisfaction team. We even had people who were maybe working in other areas like digital marketing, marketing acquisition, they might have taken on roles as as supportive roles and user satisfaction just to, to, to increase the size of the teams that we can handle the, the inquiries that came in uh, from that sense as well. And then also just in terms of listening to our travelers and, and trying to provide them with new information that they require. So obviously things like cancellation terms and, and flexible tickets became more and more important pretty quickly on our site as well. So it's, it's changed our product. We now have filters that show flexibility, uh, et cetera. And, and I suppose that's from the traveler point of view. And in terms of partners, it was, it was about supporting them to make sure most importantly that they actually survive this process as well. Uh, so like airlines and OTAs clearly would immediately have cash flow issues. How can we support them? And also COVID recovery. Um, when we start seeing green shoots, how can we start to, to help our partners like airlines see those green shoots and new activity in markets? How can they grow? And a lot of that came from data. Talking about the opportunities and let's say more optimistic uh, trends. Uh, one of the things you told me before we start recording is that apart from the demand, trial demand data that uh, we'll talk about later on, you also 
check sentiment on the yeah. uh, uh, among travelers. So, do you do re uh, regular uh, traveler passenger service? Is there an optimistic trend that we can see, or at least in some regions that we can see uh, and maybe take as a positive going forward? Yeah, Ishtok, I wish we were having this conversation about a week and a half ago, because then it, would have, <laughs> it certainly would have been all positive uh, green shoots. And, and to be honest, we've we, we've just seen in terms of user sentiment, we've just seen uh, a bit of a dip in terms of confidence, uh, likely and, and most definitely correlated with some sort of high profile global spikes in, in markets like Australia and Germany. Uh, obviously, US and, and Brazil, it's highly uh, visible uh, in terms of the trouble that they're having with, with regard to cases and the increasing cases across there as well. Um, so, yeah, so just, just to build on the sentiment side of things, this, this came from the early days when Skyscanner was looking ahead to truly understand the impact of COVID and trying to build out modeling of how we could come out of this. And like there could be like scenario A, B and C and how quickly we're going to recover and, and what resources we need where to, 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 to thrive on that. And what we did is we, we started to look at all the sources of data that we had and started to map them together for internal use. And this came from, as you said, Skyscanner has this travel demand data. So the, the search activity and the uh, referral activity that we've got on our website. So that's the travel demand. Um, but then we also started to incorporate uh, other sources of data like um, capacity data from OAG, uh, Google, uh, Google Trends data, um, even down to COVID case and infection rate data from Johns Hopkins. Um, and we married that with our user sat team setting up a weekly pulse survey with about 7,000 uh, of, our, of our regular travelers. Um, asking them questions like, uh, do they think that COVID situation is becoming better or is it getting worse? Um, when, when will you be prepared to fly again? Is that in seven days? Is it in a month? Is it, is it six months, et cetera? Uh, so that, that sentiment piece has been extremely important because like, there's one thing of, of governments and countries removing border restrictions, but then, then there's the confidence of the, the traveler actually being having the confidence and, and ability to go ahead and book the travel, book, book an airline ticket, book a hotel, et cetera. So the sentiment piece has been hugely important. And in terms of, yeah, in terms of positivity, it, I think for, for the last five weeks, we've actually seen that user sentiment improving. Um, week on week, the, 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 the overall percentage of people who thought the situation was getting better at global level had reached 65% of, of global travelers and getting worse uh, last week was about 16%. Now, unfortunately, as I said, if I I'd, if I'd had this conversation with you a week and a half ago, then it would have been different. But we've, we've actually noticed a, a slight downturn uh, in that sentiment piece. So we're moving from 65% in terms of getting better, and that's down at 60% now based on recent developments. And in terms of is COVID getting worse, it was at 16% uh, thought it was getting worse and it's now at 18%. You talked about the last week and there was some, uh, let's say, some unfortunate situation or some spikes or some of the, the events and the correlation between the sentiment. Yeah. What I'm interested in is how quickly do things change? Because to me, it seems that this is quite correlated and the things change quite rapidly. So yeah. uh, how, how quickly do you see this in your sentiment? 
Oh, very very quickly. Um, so it's within I'd, I'd say under seven days we have data and we can see the sentiment the percentages shifting on a week to week basis, and also in terms of the travel search data that we get from our, our travel insights product. So this is this is the number of searches that are being mm -hmm. made by our travellers in the redirects. When we started to see green shoots coming from uh, European markets, for example, so intra-Europe tra travel. So Germany started to say they were going to open up their borders. France then followed. Spain removed the 14-day quarantine, etc. That immediately translates to search uh, and referral traffic on our site. So we can see that picking up week on week uh, and seeing the, those encouraging signs in terms of an improvement in our year-on-year -year traffic. And then you have the UK, for example, which still has the 14-day quarantine position in place. And you can see the UK traffic recovery in terms of international traffic certainly lagging behind uh, the likes of France, Germany, Spain, Portugal, Italy. So it's, it's pretty quick in terms of the, the, the reaction. Yeah, I saw because we here at Digging Trail, we were doing some agile cases of data analysis and we analyzed Skyscanner demand data as well. And we see similar trends, for example, in the Nordic countries where Denmark, yeah. Norway, Finland, Iceland, they open the travel between themselves. And all of a sudden you can see a big spike in search demand between the air travel between these, uh, these four countries. With the things being so correlated and also things changing rapidly. How important is, for example, for even for not only for Skyscanner, but for your partners, airlines, the OTAs that you were talking about, to take advantage of, uh, of such data or to understand that uh, such data exists on the market and then be agile enough to adapt and react fast. Especially with airlines, I think we as an industry, we were used to this uh, two yearly cycles of planning. Yeah. And now I think we have like uh, not uh, planning to twice a year, but we are only almost planning on a weekly basis. How do you look at this change in reaction time that we have? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Things have changed dramatically as well for, for an industry that looked at seasonality and could look at last year and make most decisions based on that. And we're certainly in change times moving forward as well. And an example in the early days is when we're looking at our search traffic data, you start to see new trends in terms of in, in the early days in the US, for example, when the US market started to realize that there would be restrictions in the first place coming into place, there was a significant shift in terms of users searching for um, short haul um, booking windows within seven days, uh, one-way flights, and you can see a spike in that sort of level of traffic and a shift away from international traffic and, and long-haul business, um, return flights, etc. So there's the, the data in terms of the search data and the user behaviors is, is absolutely paramount for these airlines as well. And it was something that we noticed straight away and Skyscanner immediately made Travel Insights, our, our product, which has that search data. We made it free and available on a trial basis, an extended trial basis to all our OTAs and airlines, really just to help them have a look at market by market performance to, to hopefully give them the confidence to get capacity back in the air when, when things started to, to improve. And what we've done is we, we kicked off our Data Insights team um, kicked off some sharing sessions with with some of European and, and Asian um, airlines in in the early days, 
And we really just shared some of that data. I mentioned it before us having married that sort of search data and the sentiment piece with things like OEG capacity data and, and just giving people an understanding of what we're seeing and sharing that with the airlines. And then the airlines sharing back in terms of some of the challenges they would face and some of the changes like in terms of like what does what does uh, their, their products look like? Do their their fair families change? Do they do they have different uh, different products to 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 sell to the the travellers now that the the expectations of the travellers changing as well? And um, so we we spent a lot of time uh, in sessions sharing reports uh, with the airlines and then hopefully they've benefited from that as well because it's. As I said right at the start of this, it's it's, all, it's been about supporting our partners to make sure they're around when we come out the other end of this. Because I think the last thing anybody needs is is for there to be a, a massive um, decrease in the amount of choice and and partners out there. And we, we still need choice and options when it comes to flight itineraries as well. I think that's paramount to make sure that the traveller gets what he needs. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of past historical seasonal data. Things that we are experiencing now, which is basically a black swan event where a lot of the past data is not really useful. The change uh, needs to happen also for, let's say, for airlines, uh, not only for airlines, but also for others, because I see that a lot of times we were still very focused on our internal data in our internal search booking uh, revenue management data. And now to react quickly, I think we need to incorporate some of this external data some of the bigger demand data that we see on the market to react to the schedules, to planning, even to the products. You mentioned some of the challenges that uh, airlines talked about when you talk to them and some change in passenger behavior or product behavior that they need to do. One thing that, uh, one thing that I saw is the flexi flexible booking. Is there any other area or any other change in behavior that you see or heard from the airlines when you talk to them? Yeah, well, one of them is is just lack of resources. Uh, as you can imagine, the the airlines themselves are probably working and have been working with sort of skeleton staff, um, mm -hmm. uh, almost sort of crisis response teams to to just keep the lights on throughout this process as well. Um, so one thing that we've noticed, that, like Skyscanners, really managed to to keep the the bulk of its um, bulk of its employee base working through this process, this COVID period as well. So we've been able to. Um, provide things like the, the sentiment piece. Airlines just don't have the resources just now to be doing those surveys to, to 7,000, 10,000 uh, travellers mm -hmm. out there. They don't have the, the IT staff to pull together reports, so, an analytics reports from multiple sources, etc. So that's one of them is just in terms of the resources the airlines have got. So I think it's it's, it's been beneficial that the airlines and our partners have been able to lean on a company like Skyscanner that does have have the resources to to help in that sense as well. Beyond that, then naturally there's there's the, the from a similar on the data side is that airlines might have their own data sources in terms of what their own travellers are doing, who's searching on airline A's website and and some of the behaviours. Um, but they don't necessarily have the bigger picture. Um, they don't have like global uh, a, a global customer base across multiple markets. They maybe don't. They, they have a specific segment of users that they're looking at that are maybe LCC customers rather than sort of full service carrier customers, etc. Um, so we've been able to help in that, uh, giving them a bigger picture. And 
really enabling them to to see where there's green shoots of recovery, even down to a route by route basis, to allow them to have the extra confidence to start putting capacity back in the air on those routes as well. No, I definitely agree on the resources part. We also here Digging Trail do some of the let's say agile cases to show the value in data because, like you said, also the data science resources are scarce and the capability to visualize and process all this data. On the other hand, I think there are also some change in passenger behavior or customer behavior that is happening. And uh, some of it you can pick up with uh, your sentiment analysis, like you said. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned to me priorly is that you see a huge change or a huge spike in mobile usage. Can you tell a little bit more to our audience about uh, what you see actually? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Skyscanner has, has had a view on on this shifting landscape in, in, the, in the travel industry for a long time. We've we've tried to be mobile first and app first for, for a long time, uh, for as long as I can remember, actually. Uh, and a great deal of our own uh, strategy moving forward is actually based on having that sort of digital mobile marketplace that, that removes friction from the, the booking process. And to be honest, the the, the the experience under COVID has just amplified this. Um, I think at a global level, we were sitting around maybe about 60% or just over 60% of our entire traffic was was on mobile versus desktop. Uh, since that's happened, it's it's been pushing up to sort of like over 80 to 85% in some markets since COVID hit as well. And it's just a, a change in, in traveler behavior and a change in, in like I suppose a change in, in what sort of equipment they've got access to moving forward as well. Um, so we've had to, to to shift our resources at Skyscanner into to try and accelerate uh, some of our own initiatives um, which are things like the direct booking initiative which is all about removing friction on that mobile experience for the traveler as well. You mentioned the direct booking and this is let's say one of the interesting things that I wanted to talk to you about because it was one of the, let's say, hot topic in the airline distribution even before the COVID-19. I see see more and more airlines moving into partnership with uh, Metas uh, or with uh, companies like uh, Skyscanner to do this direct booking functionality. But on the other hand, I see a concern with airlines when it comes to distribution and having this direct, building their own direct distribution channels. How do you from the Skyscanner part, look at this partnership and uh, how do you talk to airlines and, uh, and explain the value of uh, direct booking uh, via Skyscanner, for example? Absolutely. And it's and as I mentioned, it's becoming more important at Skyscanner as we move for that move towards that mobile marketplace. So direct booking is nothing new with Skyscanner. I think we've been we've been on this road for for maybe about three or four years now. Um, and it, it really came down to the, the, the main purpose of removing the, the, the friction of a traditional meta search process, on, which was really designed for desktop. It was designed for a big screen. A, a list. typical redirect, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's just a big screen with lots of itineraries that you could search through. And then you redirect and we pass over ownership over to the, the airline or the travel agent. And that's that's the end of the process for us. That that worked on desktop, but it does, just does not work on, on mobile. The small screen, is, it doesn't play itself well for long lists. The redirect model is you're, you're moving from one experience to another experience. The, the network might not be strong during that network process. And we just saw a downward pressure on conversion rates and, and the performance on 
it hurts the, the airlines, it hurts the OTAs, um, and most importantly, I think it hurts the traveller because the experience isn't great. So what direct booking does is is it allows us to to bring that that full process from start to finish within Skyscanner's platform and removes that redirect model. Now, importantly for the airlines, and as you said, we might have had some friction over the years from airlines, and it usually comes from a misunderstanding of what Skyscanner does as a business. Skyscanner's meta search and a great deal of airlines out there don't really differentiate meta search from OTAs. So they assume that by Skyscanner taking the, the customer details at the time and, and, and processing the billing for the, the booking, they assumed that that was the OTA model and the ownership of that traveler would, would revert to the, the OTA and they wouldn't have any, any control over that that user, the right to, to retarget them, the right to inform them when operational challenges, etc. And it was a concern from them. But importantly, in direct booking, it's it's a way for airlines to tap into to Skyscanner's travel marketplace with a, a fully branded booking funnel that's branded as the airline. Um, and all Skyscanner are doing are taking the details and the, the booking uh, and the PR, PNR is, is, sorry for the acronym, but the, the the record is actually generated by the airline so the airline owns the the booking the airline owns the passenger they have the details they can contact them follow up with them etc so it's it's really just about a technical uh, modification in terms of what skyscanner was doing before to try and eliminate this this friction point this downward pressure and conversion rates so it's a win-win situation the, the traveler has a better experience and the, the partner actually sees more conversion rates, but still retains ownership of that traveler. This podcast is supported by Pros. Are you looking to optimize revenues across revenue management, retail, and distribution? With more than 30 years of experience and a legacy in the airline industry, Pros provides AI-powered solutions that optimize selling in the digital economy. Pros customers, who are leaders in their markets, benefit from decades of data science expertise infused into our industry solutions. If you like this podcast, check out Pro's podcast, The View from 30,000 Feet, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Pro's website. Or visit the Resource Center at pros.com to access our special COVID-19 edition webinars and blog posts. Part of the challenge, at least what I saw historically with the direct booking was especially with an unbundling and the rise of the ancillaries, you're not booking just the itinerary anymore, but a lot of ancillary or additional products. Yeah. And here, I think historically, we struggled as an industry to provide the right information, provide the rich media to display them. But I see with the NDC, adoption of the NDC, some of this was improved and uh, even booking and displaying ancillary side of, let's say, the first party channel can be good in a way that you can have this experience, like you said, branded experience and showing the right product and the value of the products, the ancillary products that airlines want. Uh, what is your experience when it comes to direct booking and the third party ancillary booking? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's a great point. Um, it's a good few years ago and, and when NDC was was just being launched, Skyscanner got early into that um, project and, and we've been involved ever since. Um, at, at the same time, we'd, we, were a, we were regarded as a, a sort of global uh, cheap flight search engine back then. And even our partners, to be honest, a lot of the airlines just saw us as that. And they saw us as being uh, an opportunity to generate 
the the back of the plane tickets, the economy, the cheap fares, etc. And many of our airlines and and the feedback when we did some sort of senior management outreach to these airlines, a great deal of the feedback was around. Listen, it's we're not in a position where we can afford to just generate cheap more and more cheap tickets. Um, they need to be generating business where there's margin. So that would be in in different cabin classes, in different fare families, uh, and in many airlines, uh, in ancillaries. And ancillaries were the only area that the, the airlines were making business as well. So we we adapted our strategy as well. We decided to move from being a sort of price comparison site to more of a, a product comparison site, and that meant scaling direct booking, making sure that we had all the ancillaries uh, within our direct booking flow. And NDC has just helped amplify it, expedite that process, I suppose. And where we are now to, to the next level is actually we're already testing about five airlines uh, globally just now uh, around fair families. And and basically what, what, what we're actually doing is we're, we're basically making the fair family information available to the travellers at an early stage in the funnel so that they can make clear decisions on whether they're buying the right ticket and does that have the the right flexibility, the cancellation, et cetera? Does it have the the services, fast track, et cetera, that they require? And what it's doing is it's seen an uplift in terms of the the average yield of Skyscanner's traffic that that we're we're processing through direct booking now as well. So the airlines seem to be happy with that. Um, And I can only see this as being an even bigger factor moving forward. As you can imagine, airlines are facing unprecedented pressure on their their margins now. Um, You've got additional costs that COVID brings, and then you've got a global global customer base who are probably more cost uh, conscious than they were six months ago as well. Um, So having the ability to increase yield is, is extremely important for them. Okay, you talked about some of the successful partnerships you had with the airlines. What do you think on the airline side is crucial to make this uh, such partnership and uh, such cases a, su- a success? So a lot of it is in, in terms of direct booking, because we were talking about that before and, and fair families, uh, a lot of it is is simply buying into to our vision and and acknowledging the, the data we we do a lot of uh, a b tests on on direct booking on fair families etc um, so a lot of it is just making sure that they understand the impact this has on conversion rates on customer retention rates on on increases in yield so a, a huge part of it is then having the the airlines to to acknowledge that and then if there are resources needed uh, to integrate in a different way with skyscanner is is having the, the ability to then put resources and investment into that as well. And luckily, in, in many of the cases, it's very lightweight in terms of direct booking nowadays. You explained the vision of where Skyscanner is trying to go in terms of uh, the meta search and uh, the global footprint. I see the growth that we saw to the 100 million users worldwide. Yeah. How do you look now, especially now with COVID, COVID-19 disrupting the industry? How do you look at the future of, let's say, travel landscape or maybe travel distribution? Because there was a lot of, let's say, speculation in the past. Okay, how will there be a a consolidation on the airline side? Will there be consolidation on the OTA side? Will some of the bigger players outside the industry like Google go even more into the meta OTA model. How do you look at what is happening and maybe how do you see Skyscanner evolving? So, yeah, I, I agree that COVID's been a bit of a game changer in this sense. And I, I suppose I mentioned right at the start of this session that 
one of the most important things we've been doing is trying to support our travelers and, and frankly keep them in business and help keep them in business moving forward as well because we genuinely believe that, that that having plenty of of airlines and choice and travel agents out there is going to be important moving forward because it's just going to produce choice for the for the travelers moving forward as well uh, but to be honest there is a, a huge chance and we've seen a lot of airlines go into administration already and and it, there is a long way to go before we're out of this as well. So that there is a, a, a significant risk that the landscape is going to change in terms of who's out there and who's available to work with us. From from our perspective, I think our strategy doesn't change dramatically. We we're we're focused on this mobile marketplace and removing friction for our travellers. In terms of distribution, the uptake on things like NDC on on airlines having the ability to to connect with us in a way that we can remove that friction is increasing. And simply, as I said, because there's a there's a there's a huge focus on the airline side in terms of having a higher conversion rate, having more travellers into their, their stores, um, having a higher yield yield, etc. So. Our, our strategy is still firmly around mobile. I think you mentioned in Google as well, then clearly they're in a, a strong position in terms of the search engine funnel. What we're trying to do is we're trying to solve problems uh, and focus on the sort of mobile side of things and on app um, where we can really uh, solve traveler problems moving forward and have that sort of streamlined um, mobile experience. You can buy a TV uh, on various uh, different apps nowadays, global apps like Amazon, etc. And it's it's a, a pleasure to deal with, and it's a pleasure when things even go wrong and through cancellations, etc. We've got to get travel to that level, and and Skyscanner believes it can do it. You you should be in a position where you can say book a flight between uh, London and Edinburgh as easy as you can buy a TV on Amazon and, and make changes to that as well. And I suppose that's the focus is, is Skyscanner uh, being able to do that. I think what, what does change, though, is that the travellers' expectations will be different. Um, there's a lot of questions coming out of COVID in terms of obvious ones like, can I even go to somewhere? Can I travel somewhere? Um, so we need to be able to incorporate that information into our service. We've got questions on top of that. Maybe we can go there. There's no border restrictions, but is it safe? Is the flight clean? Is the hotel clean? The, the hotel is an interesting one. We've just incorporated uh, TripAdvisor's uh, hotel cleanliness uh, ratings as well that we're, we're, we're having some good engagement on as well. So it's just ways that we're, we're going to have to change moving forward as well. And then, yeah, it, in terms of what we're, we're getting from airlines, they're going to have to make sure that they send us full details on flexible policies, what insurance, cancellation terms, etc., that we can pass on to the traveller. The last thing that you mentioned, I think it's a big opportunity, but also the challenge for, let's say, meta searches, because you are historically the best at consolidating and providing all relevant information for people to to make it easier to decide and compare. Yeah. But now all of a sudden there is yeah all sorts of new information that was not so relevant before, like travel restrictions, government restrictions, COVID health situation, and uh, even the cleanliness of the aircraft or the airport experience. So I think it's it's a challenge, but also opportunity uh, to provide this information in a comprehensive way and solve the challenge of uh, the users because they are really, I think, struggling where to go and to decide to plan. Uh, on the other hand, what I see is there is still a big uh, motivation to travel, to go to vacation, uh, to vacation, to meet people, but they have all of a sudden a lot of more challenges and questions and fears to address. Absolutely. And it's actually just, just on just on that point as well is it's 
it's it's interesting because about about three weeks ago it was uh, sorry three months ago it was a completely different challenge it was the sustainability was on 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 everybody's lips and skyscanner was working hard listening to our travelers and implementing filters on in terms of what the the emissions were on across an itinerary across the airlines that were flying on a route etc we were we were providing travelers with information around uh, maybe a, a travel destination like Venice was was going to be too too busy at a certain time of year. Would you prefer to go at this time when it was quieter, etc.? So it's it's quite dramatic in terms of the shift in focus. Uh, yeah, as I said, it's it, sustainability was dominating before, uh, but now it's shifting to to other areas that the travellers looking around safety, cleanliness, uh, like protection of, of, of travel insurance, flexible policies, etc. Me personally, definitely hope that if we will learn something out of this crisis is also that we won't forget about sustainability, no, but absolutely. go even more, yeah, like you said, even expose it more on our, uh, let's say, in our minds. Yeah. Maybe Gavin, to finish this talk on a more loose note, you said that uh, you are now, after a long time spending in Asia, uh, across uh, China and Singapore, returned back to Edinburgh and enjoying the Scottish weather. So in terms of uh, all these things that we talked, uh, let's say business, airline trail business, uh, even the skyscanner business that is rapidly expanding across the world, what are the biggest changes uh, in terms of, uh, the, let's say, the mindset, the culture, or just the, how people, people behave when it comes to travel? when it comes to comparing Asia and Europe? Yeah, good question. I think it's, it's difficult to, to bring the whole of Asia and in, into one place because there was such a one thing I learned while I was in Singapore was the, the mindset of a, a traveller or the, the average traveller in, in Thailand was very different to the average travel of, of Indonesia. And then you compare that to, to, to other sort of European markets as well. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a, there was a huge difference in terms of how they use Skyscanner. Um, some travelers in, like a lot of travelers in Thailand in the early days simply use Skyscanner as a research tool. So meaning that they would just look for the flights and then they would leave the site and then go to the brand they knew, like AirAsia or Thai Airlines, et cetera. So we had a real travel, we had a, a, a real sort of challenge in the early days of of convincing the user that we could we could process that pro, that that whole experience for them by sending them to, to Thai Airways and, and AirAsia in that sense as well. And then, uh, yeah, the shift to mobile um, is, is a huge one. In Asia, as I said, in, in Korea and Japan, I think about 87 to 88% on those markets are, are on mobile. Whereas pre-COVID times, you had markets like the US and, and UK and even Australia, that the, the desktop was still around 40% to 45%. So yeah, traveler behaviors pre-COVID, I'd say the shift to mobile is is quite dramatically different from from Asia to to where we are just now. During COVID, I think it's international travel is 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 where we see. I'm just thinking back to to during COVID and the sentiment uh, data that we've got. You've got markets like Australia and and Japan who, from afar, look like they handled this COVID outbreak extremely well. Uh, in, in Korea um, in terms of sort of like infection rates, total amount of cases, etc. Um, and then you've got markets in, in EMEA um, who, who had a hugely like horrific time of it, like Spain and Italy. And yet when we look at the sentiment piece, when it comes to international travel, 
Korean travelers that were, were surveying and, and uh, Australian traveling, tra travelers that were surveying are, are some of the most pessimistic that we're seeing in terms of when they'll be able to travel international again. So there's going to be a lot for people to do in, in Asia in terms of building that confidence to get people traveling from an international point of view. EMEA obviously were helped when yeah, traveling from Spain to France isn't, isn't as significant as traveling from Sydney to, I don't know, Singapore, for example. But at the same time, that the sentiment data is pointing to a longer road back in, in Asian markets in terms of international travel. Very interesting. So the end, uh, one of the things that we talked during our chat was about the travel demand data and how you support airlines. If I'm correct, you still provide the trial version to your demand and uh, other data to airlines, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's available on our partner's website at Skyscanner. And, uh, and anybody can actually get in touch with me by email or, or, con or have a look on that, that website and uh, look for more details on that. It's under the Travel Insights product. And what we'll do is, as I said, we're doing some agile cases on your data. We'll also provide airlines some examples of how that data can look in action so they can, and some airlines application scenario. And I would definitely encourage everybody to try. And uh, as we said before, be more agile in terms of processing insights and try to proactively understand these trends so we can all plan accordingly and be better prepared uh, for the recovery. Gavin, this was a very interesting chat for me. I learned a lot uh, of uh, new things also about, uh, the, about Skyscanner and the Metasearch model. Thank you. Thank you for your time and looking forward to, to hear more from you in the future. Thank you, Aztok, and it was, uh, I appreciate the invitation. I look forward to speaking to you again. Stay safe and well. This podcast is brought to you by digintravel.com. Dig In Travel is your number one resource when it comes to airline and travel digital marketing and e-commerce. Visit digintravel.com to find the latest digital trends and white papers with in-depth airline digital benchmarks.